These are the scenes as Argentina touched down at 4 a.m. this morning. What a welcome they got from the Argentinian fans who turned out quite literally in their millions to celebrate Argentina beating France in the World Cup final. Hello and welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined by Craig Burley, Stevie Nickel. And who gets to talk about the World Cup final and Argentina's celebrations once again? Julien Laurent uh, joins us as well. What a treat for you, Jules. I'm going to start with you because we knew it was going to be a big party in Buenos Aires. I don't think many expect it to be this big. Up to four million being reported lining the streets to celebrate with the team. Yeah, just incredible. I mean, to be fair, they, they waited a long time, long enough since 1986 to be there again. Uh, and, and because it was also Leo Messi's last World Cup, then I think this, this added to the, the, the celebrations, the excitement, the, the joy, the love, everything. I mean, we had, as we said many times on the show, back in Qatar, we had a, a flavor of what it could be because there were just 50,000 of them in Doha, but they were making noise like if they were a million. So just imagine going back to, going back home and, and what could follow because it's a country of 40 million, I believe. That means that 10% of the people were in the streets of Buenos Aires to welcome their heroes and I think it's a fitting welcome of course because of what they've achieved uh, and for, for a nation and a country who loves their football so much again I think it makes a lot of sense it's bonkers isn't it yeah. you didn't get the memo today what's that brown day oh is it okay <laughs> <laughs> it's bonkers it is bonkers and uh, I was going back to uh, your guest yesterday was it Joel yes yeah Argentina saying, yeah. Like, like, look he was out filming and, you know, it's already tough. I mean, it's, it's tough in a lot of places, but it's 90% inflation, yeah. you're saying down there. It's tough for a lot of people. There's a lot of poverty as well. And when you see what it means to them, to the, to the, the general public, the, the, the normal fan, you see what it means, it's, you, can't, you can't deny them. And, you know, those players, you know, they're going to just be... Heroes. For, I mean, they're not buying a drink again, are they? No, no, no. they certainly the sheer numbers, Steve. Four million. Yeah, up to four million. You always, you always think that these numbers are inflated yeah. until you actually see the pictures. Well, it's just people. It's just, just you people. Can't, well, you can't see anything other than <laughs> I know, people's jerseys with Messi on them and, and heads. I mean, we're, we're worried about. Well, we're not worried. <laughs> we're thinking about players making it back for the Carabao Cup. <laughs> <laughs> We're worried about uh, players getting back from the Carabao Cup. What about the people? What about the businesses? <laughs> they might as well just shop for a yeah, fortnight. Yeah, Christmas. Yeah, the Christmas coming up, uh, that's it. We'll see right. you January the January 5th. 3rd. January 3rd. Yeah. All right, maybe the 4th. Yeah. I mean, it is incredible. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> we knew it. I mean, a lot of countries are passionate about, about yes. football. But, you know, bearing in mind the history of Argentina and the players that have yeah. come from there and the previous success, which Jules mentioned has been a long time ago, certainly at the World Cup. Uh, yeah, to deliver that and then to see that reaction. Some of the videos are just since the World Cup win. Yes. You've seen the one with the bike, the boy just going down the street with the bike when the final penalty goes in. Right. It's dead. It's <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And, and just it's dead no quiet and then it's just a, an eruption of noise and people yeah. coming in the street. It, it's just incredible. It, it, it's, it's obviously, you get more and more details with every World Cup with the advancement of social media, Jules. So you feel you're immersed in it even more at the moment. Oh yeah, incredible. All the footage that the players provide now, the federations as well, because they've got their own cameras. 
within the dressing room for the better and for worse. Remember the Portugal, uh, Bruno Fernandes, Cristiano kind of, kind of an incident at the start of the World Cup. So now we get all of that, which is, which is great. Obviously, you got more insight of what the players do, how they celebrate what they're seeing and then you really feel like you're part of the whole story which is great for for the fans and and certainly argentina have done that through the whole tournament really and now we get we get all those little like videos from there and there everybody putting them on social media the players the fans and it's great and it's great to be fair as 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 we said as Sad it was for us, the French, but to see their happiness, to see their joy, to see that communion and that kind of unity between fans and players, it's, it's wonderful to watch. What about some of the videos from the pitch, though, with that? Uh, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. I, we, we've actually, we've, we've preempted. We preempted what, what you might be saying, and uh, we will get to, to that <laughs> at some stage. Oh, get ready, Salt Bay. <laughs> but before yeah, we... It, it feel somebody's Robin Jules, wasn't it? <laughs> one of our producers. Well, that's Pete. It's just, it's, 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 yeah. Jules. Oh? Was 50,000 <laughs> for the French team a good thing or... A bad thing. Uh, th- I, I was expecting. This was more. this was yesterday in Paris. Fifty thousand people turned up to welcome them, didn't they? I thought there'd be more as they returned. I was surprised it was that many. Stevie thought there'd be more jewels. Uh, to be fair, I was surprised they even showed up. Like not the fans, the players. I mean, I don't know why you would celebrate second place and losing on penalties. They wanted to do something. I thought it was. I thought the players were really fast, so they were on the Place de la Concorde on that balcony. I thought they were really far from the fans as well. I'm not really sure what, what people got out of it. I'm not sure what the players got out of it because Stevie is right in a way if you're a player and you only see 50,000 and you know, trust me, what 50,000 is because the Plaza de la Concorde is a huge, huge area and, and there were not many fans compared to the space that was there. I don't know if you feel a bit disappointed, but personally, I didn't think they needed to do a parade or like a salute to the fans. I th- uh, the Federation said it was a bit more than 50,000. I don't think it matters so much if it was 50 or 70 or 75. I just, I just don't think that they should have done it in the first place. This is the French, one of the best teams in, in the world. They don't celebrate second place. Yeah. I, I was surprised. I also, I, I, I'm, I'm unlike his nibs, I thought 50,000 was a, a heck of a... a I, yeah, I was surprised. Bear in yeah. mind that it's almost like, wow, you know... It's a World Cup final. But you won it four years Listen. Ago. I guess they're just getting blase about it, basically. <laughs> right. Oh, let's go down and uh, <laughs> and clap in the losers. Yes. I mean, it's I can understand the Morocco. <laughs> you know, when they yes. go back to the country, they had a, an unbelievable World Cup, superseded expectations, but France? Yeah. Well, these were the scenes in Paris where, of course, at some stage, Lionel Messi will return to PSG, Jules. I love that bit. Uh, a lot being said about what has happened within the Argentinian dressing room uh, since they beat France and the focus on killing Mbappe. Just a reminder of what Mbappe said uh, before the World Cup. The advantage that we European favourites have is that we are always play each other and have high-level matches. Argentina and Brazil don't have that level of competition in South America. The football is not as developed as in Europe. That is why the most recent World Cup winner have been Europeans. Uh, we saw Emmy Martinez, didn't we, uh, in, in very much enjoying uh, the celebrations uh, and enjoying the fact that... Is that what's he got there? It's Kylian Mbappe's picture on top of the World Cup uh, with, with Lionel Messi uh, 
<laughs> next to him. Uh, he's carrying a Kylian Mbappe baby. Fantastic. That, let's, let's be honest. Since that, fantastic. Yeah. But let's be honest. Absolutely. Since that man stepped on the podium. He's been on the edge. Yes. Oh, he's been fantastic <laughs> entertainment, Emmy Martinez. He's been brilliant, hasn't he? In, within the dressing room, does this affect anything? We saw, we saw them dancing, obviously, the Argentinian locker room, and then, then dancing, and then stops because there's a minute's silence to remember Mbappe, and Messi's in, involved with all of that. Any chance that any football players to, to rub, take the mick, rub somebody's face in it who has said something against them? regardless of how big or how small it is, every single footballer I know will take that opportunity. Right. And if you open your trap and say something stupid, just like Mr Mbappe did, then when it comes back to you and you get it twice as heavy, then you can't say anything. But Emi Martinez doesn't play with Kylian Mbappe. I don't Messi care. does. Does Messi have any responsibility to, to protect his uh, domestic team? If it was me and him, I'd be right. the first person to rub it in his face right. in a second. Yeah. And if he didn't like it, then tough luck. Right. Keep your keep trap shut and don't get yourself in any trouble. Right. What was it again? Mbappe's got to play with Messi. We've seen these scenes of Messi very much enjoying the fact that Mbappe's on the losing side. Does it affect anything within that PSG locker room? No, not really. And the comment about playing each other, they don't play each other. Well, I suppose the Nations League has brought, brought those games a little bit closer, but they still play a lot of what you would call sort of average European sides. And of course, <laughs> I'm very serious in it with the games. Notwithstanding the Copa America. Yeah. So, no, no, listen, it is what it is. You've got to accept that uh, they are going to celebrate and uh, yeah, you just you just have to accept that as a teammate that you were on the losing side. And I mean, they're probably not going. When you look at since when was it they won it? Thirty odd years ago. Yeah, eighty six. Eighty six. That's right. Eighty six in Mexico. You know, it could be another 30, 40 years. Right. So they, those guys are. Yeah. So no one, no one cares about Mbappe's feelings, basically. Is that where we're at? Nope. No, 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 no. Not even for a split second. Uh, uh, Jules, does Mbappe accept that and will take all this as a bit of a joke and banter? I, I don't think he would care. I don't think he would care. I thought he was clumsy to say that, to give that into the, the, give those lines in the interview that he did after his new contract at the club. I don't think he meant to insult. South American football in, in, you know, as a whole or anything like that. He just meant, I think he meant that the European teams just face each other much more. And then when you get to the World Cup, you very often, if you're Brazil or Argentina, end up facing the Europeans when you get to quarters, semis, final, etc. And I think he meant we're more used to play each other more than them. And that's why when they come to the World Cup, it might be a bit more difficult. But, but then the trash talk and the... Uh, and what Amy Martinez has done is part, like Stevie said, is part of the game. You can find it a bit classless, maybe, but we've all, we've all done it at every level. This is what you do. So I suspect that Kylian will get some stick in the dressing room in Paris by his teammates for losing that final on pens. This is also part of it. I don't think there's any harm in it. Uh, if you haven't seen a couple of great pictures that Lionel Messi posted on his uh, social media, uh, this just awesome, him uh, sleeping with the World Cup trophy uh, after waiting so long. There it is. Isn't that beautiful? Very nice. Right, Craig, to the point that you brought up earlier, we've had a lot of tweets actually asking your point, so let's just address uh, one of them now, uh, which just says, uh, for Craig, uh, who is more annoying, Salt Bay or Infantino? Oh, Salt Bay. <laughs> I mean, Infantino at least had some right within his standing as the head of FIFA to be yeah. to be down there. I could have been doing with him getting out of the way a little bit quicker. Yeah. 
But the accreditate, the pitch side accreditation for the likes of this guy. Who is he? So he's he's, he's, a, he's a famous chef who puts salt on things in a kind of extravagant oh, manner, oh, yeah. and he's and, and then charges you over a thousand dollars for a uh, steak. Yes, not all the time, right? Anyway, <laughs> but he was in all these pictures, and you could just see a lot of the players just thinking, "Sod off, yeah, get lost." And this was a moment for the players, iconic photographs, and I'm sure they've got some families, fans were in the background. We didn't need all and sundry from the. Uh, from the media world or whatever, the celebrity world down there, thinking that they just scored the winning goal in a World Cup. I mean, it was incredible, really. Macron was hanging about like a bad smell, the French president, <laughs> trying to console everybody when they were just, just wanted to be left alone. Infantino just got in the way and the presentation uh, far too much, but he was the FIFA president. But Salt Bay, oh my God. Down I, there in the pit. I guess it just must be the thing now, because... Had that happened with us, yeah, we, we, it would have been an elbow. Right. He would have got pushed. As soon as somebody figured out what was going on, either either Sunus or one of the older guys, they would have got elbowed out. Right. And a, and a heartbeat. He went up to Messi and he got a custard pie. Yes. Well, yeah, Messi, yeah. He, he like grabbed Messi you know. and Messi's just like... Yeah, and then he was trying to grab the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, jokingly off, of course, but jokingly off, off people that were getting photographs. Yeah. And just thinking... this. this Who's letting this guy and these people onto the field? They should not be down there. I get it. Some of these so-called superstars, they get tickets, they get boxes, they go to the game. That's fine. That's part and parcel. But stay off the pitch. Yeah. End of a World Cup final. It's not the Club World Cup, by the way. It's a <laughs> World Cup final. Let the guys celebrate. Oh, yeah. my God. These, that, I suppose that's the world we live in now, and, and FIFA yeah. allowed it to happen. Jules? Yeah, I think some of the Argentines went to his restaurant uh, during the World Cup, just before the World Cup, and I suspect, that's why I thought when I saw him down there, that he would have come down with one of the guest passes that the players had. It looks only that the accreditation that he had was like that, so like the wives or the parents, the children, all of that, who, who then were allowed to be on the pitch, but... Just quickly, I think there's one where Cuti Romero is there with his young son in his arms yep. and the son is trying to touch the World Cup that I think maybe Di Maria has and he can't touch the World Cup because Sol Bay is trying to do his like BS thing with his hand and like the pool, <laughs> this is, his dad just won the World Cup and he can't even touch it because some, some weird dude with his glasses <laughs> and his suit is just pretending to put salt on him. I'm just like, what? I mean, what's going on here? Uh, as annoying as Salt Bay was, um, I have to say I did love Kunaguero's appearance on the pitch afterwards with a drum randomly. Uh, Jules, am I right? there's rumours that he got a World Cup winner's medal from the coaching side. Is there any truth to that? I don't know. So we saw him afterwards. So you, as you know, he was working for us uh, over there a lot. So we used to see him in the studios and the studio area where all ESPN were, ESPN Argentina and us and Mexico, all of that. And then we saw photos and videos of him. It looked like he had something around his neck, but again, it could have been his accreditation, it could have been the medal we, we could not see properly. But the fact that he was there with his big cigar, the fact that he slept in Messi's room the night of the final, of course, the night before, <laughs> and that he went to training and trained, what? and he was like dressed up. He also played for the ESPN Legends match as well. It was like, it was full on Kunaguero, literally big, big part of it, which we have to say, I mean, the guy did a, a Twitch live with Leo Messi in the camp. I mean, he was just like, he, he also was the Kunaguero World Cup. So it was not, to be fair, it was not surprising to see him actually joining in and being part of the squad in a way. Slept in his room? Yeah, yeah, because Messi, Messi didn't have like a, a teammate. He had his own room, yeah. but he wanted, he wanted company. Well, he used to it's be usually a Aguero's teammate. Though, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, used to in like yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'll tell you what, he'll go and sort that. Yeah, he'll go and sort that salt bay out. Right. I tell you what, I'll get well done. He can go there. He, <laughs> even he can put salt on a steak and have one of his steaks, thousand yeah. dollars, extremely well done. But I remember, you, I remember you saying when you were at the World Cup, you had your own room and you didn't like it. Yeah. It's interesting, like that dynamic, because from but the outside nobody, in, you think surely you've got your own room. Nobody would room with you. No, the first place we stayed in, it was all it was all single rooms, but it was like a jail cell. Right. It was like pure white. Yeah. It, it just felt like a cell. And as I said, Kun Aguero used to be Messi's roommate when they played together. Right. So it's not actually that makes sense. That makes that, complete that, sense. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I did I did have trouble. Getting a roommate sometimes. <laughs> yes. I wonder why. It's a strange way. Um, let's focus a little bit on uh, France now, shall we, Jules? Taking us through the front page of... <laughs> All right, Stevie. <laughs> yes. Can we talk about Mbappe? Wow. Yeah. Uh, was it, this kind of, is this rested or, or kicked out, Jules? The front page of L'Equipe. Uh, stay or leave the, uh, the front page of L'Equipe. Talking about Karim Benzema. There seems to be contrasting stories coming out as to why he left the camp. Yeah, you're right. We're starting to know a bit more about the atmosphere around his withdrawal, really, of the squad and what happened before. I mean, until we hear properly from him and properly from Deschamps, I don't think we will, we will know everything, maybe, unless, you know, until they tell the truth. Because I think Deschamps and the staff felt that maybe Karim didn't say the whole truth about how he was feeling physically in the, in the few days before the start of the tournament and before he got injured. Karim himself, I think, feels very much like he could have stayed, he should have stayed, because he could have got fit and the, the World Cup would still have happening. Deschamps clearly feel differently, so they were clearly, they were just not on the same page. And you can understand both frustrations in a way. Deschamps, if really felt like that by Karim before the injury, if Karim felt like that after the injury, feeling like I could have stayed and seen if I got fit for the last 16, maybe for the quarters, he felt that he would have been worth it from Deschamps to keep him just for that. Deschamps clearly felt like, why would you stay if you can't play for another two weeks, two and a half weeks? Which is a valid point as well. I, I don't know how you deal with someone who's there but can't play, can't train, spend his day in the gym with the physios. I, I mean, I don't know if that can work or not. I'm not sure. So it's, it's, it was just... Um, before all the build-up that we gave it, remember at the time when he was called up and all of that, they'd been waiting so long to play again in the World Cup after 2014 and everything that happened in between in those eight years. Finally, it was there. And for all this drama to happen, and now even more drama, I just, I just find it incredible. It just blows my mind that with Karim Benzema, things are just never straightforward. Did Deschamps see him as a distraction, Jules? Was it, was it just quite simply, here's a great excuse just to send him home? I don't know if distraction is the right word. Well, could have maybe distracted the squad if, if he'd stayed not being fit and still been around. But I don't know if really that could be a distraction. I, again, I don't know how you deal with a player. I mean, Romelu Lukaku in Belgium is maybe the other example we can find here, but he was still fit enough to train after the second game, group game, and play, play in the third group match. Karim might not have been fit until the quarterfinals. That's a long time between... You know, the start of the World Cup and then the quarterfinal of the France-England game, that was two and a half weeks. So I, I don't know who's right, who's wrong, what was the best decision, if that was the worst decision to send him home in the way it happened. 
I can understand Karim's frustration because as we said, he waited for so long. You can also see Deschamps' point of view of like, well, why would we keep you if we're not even sure that you could be ready for the quarters? I, I don't know. But the fact that Deschamps didn't replace him in a way is weird. It's quite weird, I think, because there were other options that he could have called up. So, I don't know. There's still a lot of things that I, th I don't think we know about for that, that incident. Well, that's what I was going to ask, Jules, but he's just answered it because I couldn't remember off the top of my head if he replaced him. No. This does. This is sending up smoke signals, for sure, because it's telling me that Deschamps in his mind wasn't 100% about the player. Because you look at any other country, take Argentina with Messi, take England with Kane, take Brazil with Neymar. You know they did give Neymar time. They were, if Brazil had got to the semi-finals and he hadn't played, they would have kept him there. They wouldn't have sent Lionel Messi home. Southgate would not have sent Harry Kane home thinking, geez, if we get to the 16 and win and get to the quarters, maybe Harry will be fit, maybe Messi will be fit, maybe Neymar. You just keep him. Unless you think it's got negative connotations right. to your squad. So that's telling me he was... Otherwise, why don't you just leave him there and say, listen, work on your fitness. We'll see how it figures out and pans out. It's not hurting anybody to keep you here. I'm not replacing you. This just sounds a bit strange. And it's it, it, full training with Real Madrid. Played in a friendly, you know, a few days ago. Was it just the fact that he thought it was detrimental? 100%. To the squad? No other reason to do it. It's the Ballon d'Or winner for crying out. Yeah, there's no other reason to do it. Um, but how would it be detrimental? There must I mean, be a personality maybe, thing. Well, is, well, is, is well that's, that's what I'm saying. That's, yeah. And, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe then you're going to have reporters uh, talking about Benzema and then, hold on a minute, we've got, we've got a team in the World Cup here and everything's, everything's every, how's Benzema every two days or every three days or whatever it is. Um, so there's no question that Deschamps has decided, regardless of whether he does get healthy, yeah. then I need to make a decision what's best for the team, for the squad. I'm not bringing MDLs in. I'm going to keep the group I've got together. We've got, we've, we've got a good, you know, we're, we're doing okay on the field and we've, we've got a good harmony between everybody here. So I'm not going to bring somebody else in and I don't want somebody lingering about. Right. So you know what? This is the group. Everybody else, see you later. We're going to concentrate on doing what we're doing. Are people in, but he must have thought, he, 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 there, must be another, there must be a reason about him... For want of a better phrase, moping around because about. it's an easy answer to the press. Even if they ask you, you say, "Well, look." If they say, "Oh, Karim Benzema," I say, "I've told you, he's probably not going to be fit until the quarters or the semis at best, and even then, it's probably going to be a place on the bench yeah. because he's not fit enough." But if he's available to go on the bench and we make it to the semi-finals and I need him for 20 minutes, then I'm going to use him. <laughs> so why would you send him home unless you thought? It, it was just going to affect everybody else. Right. And, the mere, and the mere fact that you've got so many subs as well, yeah. it has to be something to do with personality. Right. has to be. Does it make sense, Jules, what they're saying? Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. And I think this is also part of it. And that, that's maybe the, the, the one bit that we, we don't know about. From the guys that I know in that squad, no one ever said to me, Karim is a problem, he doesn't get on with people. I'm sure there's some in that squad who maybe didn't have like strong friendship with Karim, which I can understand. No, like the boys know better than me, but you've been in squads where not everybody is best friends, which is completely normal. 
I don't know, we've said it before in terms of leadership, if there was an issue there maybe between other leaders in that group. But again, I, I was not told that. I was not told that at the Euros where Karim played well, even if France were, were knocked out by Switzerland on penalties in the last 16. But just quickly, if we go on that, he was called back for the Euros as the, as the saviour almost. You know, after five and a half years being dropped for the sex tape scandal, all of that is coming back. It's a big surprise. No, nobody saw it coming. You know, we, we broke the news. I mean, that, that, that's just the tweet that we put out on him coming back that day, the day of the squad announcement, when just viral, he exploded. And yet, at the Euros, he was good, but the team wasn't. Then he comes back for this World Cup. He's still there for the World Cup after eight years of waiting. And this is a car crash. It's an absolute disaster. You just think, like, this is an incredible time, really, for him, if you think. And... and in a way, it's a shame because the guy is so talented. But on an, in another way, maybe that could have been all predicted as well. So definitely a personality thing. But I, I, I piggybacking on what you guys were talking about yesterday, I, I don't think it's the difference between where the World Cup is right. and, and it being in Paris. You know, uh, I think ultimately France didn't play well enough. This is just an issue that's raised itself as another story out with the football and the bad performance between a possible personality clash and, you know, you know, why would you send him home? Why wouldn't you keep him? Why couldn't you use him at least for a little bit if he's fit? Sort of scenario, but I agree with what Stevie was saying yesterday. It's, I, I don't think it would have been a matter of Benzema stays, France win the World Cup. I think it was always going to Argentina in the end. Is that kind of the accepting factor for the fans as well, Jules? Or was there frustration that Benzema wasn't there, wasn't there to come off the bench even and make an impact in that final? Yeah, it's a bit mixed, I think, to be fair. I, I'm, I'm in, the, in the camp that I think that a team with Benzema can only be better than a team without Benzema. I can understand the, the balance and the, 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 the synergy and you know how, how players gel. But a talent like that, I just don't think you can do without if he's fully fit and, and ready to go. And I think there's a lot of people in France who share that view. There's others who think, like, look, they went all that far without him and without Pogba and without Conte and all the others missing. And, and we, were, we were like uh, five centimetres away if Colomboani shot his five centimetres higher up to, to win the World Cup. So, so maybe we didn't need Karim in the end. I, I, we will never know. I just, I just think for the player that he is and, and what he is as a footballer, I just think it's a shame that in a way he ends up, he, he finishes like this and that he missed, he missed out on the World Cup in the way it happens. Uh, just a reminder, uh, we stay late to answer your questions on Extra Time. You can check that out over on our YouTube channel. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So action in the Carabao Cup on Tuesday. Leicester City beat MK Dons by three goals to nil. Wolves with a comfortable victory over Gillingham. Newcastle won Bournemouth nil. Almond with quite the miss in that game. Newcastle, though, still advancing into the next round. They're joined by Southampton, who beat Lincoln City 2-1. Now, just a reminder how things stand in the Premier League going into the Boxing Day fixtures. Let's focus on the team that we just saw. Newcastle, of course, sitting third at the moment. Uh, they're in a situation where the January transfer window opens. Uh, if you're Newcastle, how busy would you be, Craig? How many people would you bring in, try to bring in, in that window? Do you know what? I don't know if I'd try to bring in too many. Right. Because I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd want to upset what I've built so far uh, since Eddie Howe's gone in. If you remember back I think it was the January transfer window last year. He, he, it was more of the defensive area yep. that he strengthened. Then they went again in the summer, signed some players. Uh, so, no, I, I don't. I don't. The way they've played, and you know, you look at the team, and you think, well, he wouldn't get in that Arsenal team, and he wouldn't get in that Tottenham team when they outplayed Tottenham. And he, but as a as a group of players, as a unit, as a unit they've been absolutely brilliant. They've got the injury to Alexander Rizak, which is uh, not ideal. Callum Wilson in great form, he got in the England squad. We just saw Almer on there miss a chance, but he was flying. I, I don't think, Steve, I don't I know about you, but I don't I think, think I'd want to yeah. upset that too no, much. No, I wouldn't. I would, not unless something that just you just can't pass it on it right. comes along. Yeah. Then you've, you've spent the first part of the season, if you're ready how, cultivating... Cultivating something that yes. actually has got you into third place. Uh, and unless something incredible appears and you can't say no, why do you upset that? We all know that Newcastle, between now and, and the summer and in the following summer, in the next three or four windows, certainly, I don't mean this one, but definitely in the summer, are going to buy players. Yeah. But to do it right now with the way they are, I think 100%, I'm with Craig, I think it would upset what they've got going right now. What sort of player would be too good to turn down from a Newcastle perspective, Jules? 
I think they're looking at in midfield. Uh, Dan, like the boy said, Isak is going to come back at some point. So Maxima, let's not forget that they they had such a great first half of the season without Isak for for most of it because he got injured not long after signing for the club and, and started well. San Maximin was out for quite a long time as well. They're both going to come back, which is going to be, you know, added value to, to that team, of course. They've got Dan Burner left back, who's really a centre-back, who's doing a great job there, but maybe, maybe you, can, you can improve in that position. And then I still think they're looking at maybe someone more creative than the Joe Willock or then the Joe Linton, for example, who work well right now with Bruno Guimaraes. But maybe you can, again, upgrade those two positions. So I think this is where they're looking at a younger player, like a young player with, with a great potential. Then I think they're very happy to spend 40, 50 million on someone if they think that he adds value like Bruno Guimaraes did, for example. But if nothing happens, I don't think they'd be heartbroken at all. They'd be already focusing on what can happen in the summer because let's say they finish fourth and qualify for the Champions League, they'd be in a much stronger position mm. to attract like, top talent if they play in the Champions League next season. Uh, let's talk about your boys then. Of course, Gabriel Jesus uh, picking up that injury, which will keep him out what for up to three months uh, during the World Cup. Jules, who are they going to bring in to replace him, if anyone? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I, th- I think they, they have already in place, you would think, if, like, a few names, especially in the striker role or certainly like a versatile forward who can play maybe wide when Gabriel Jesus comes back, can play centrally. In that kind of profile, if you want, um, a name like Mateus Cunha, for example, has been throwing out there. I think he's someone that Mikel Arteta likes for a lot of reasons because I think he would fit quite well of what Arsenal are trying to do. And and when Jesus comes back, I don't think Cunha, who is a, who is a, a sub really and a replacement at Atletico Madrid, will mind too much of being in this kind of similar role at Arsenal and fighting for a place in the starter. But knowing that ahead of him, there's a guy who is who is potentially better than him. So someone like that, I think you can't go and sign someone for 100 million, like an Oziman, for example, and then having Gabriel coming back and then you're not really sure what to do. But, but again, they also have the Enketia option. They can move Martinelli central. So they've got a few options in the two to three months where Gabriel is going to be out. But if you don't sign anyone, will Enketia and Martinelli as, as a number nine is enough to keep you at the top of the table, to keep the momentum going? I'm not so sure. Just don't panic, by mm. Right. Don't panic, by Don't you've, you've you've worked hard to get rid of some of the problematic yeah. players in the deadwood. Big salaries, huge salaries, huge egos, disciplinary issues. Not them all, but some. You've kind of, for the men, got that out. You've built a, a, a fantastic little squad. It's not hugely deep, but it's a good little squad. It's played some great stuff. Now you've got an injury. Don't go out and just bring somebody in for the sake of it. Be lumbered with that player, as Jill said, when Jesus comes back, and then you've got the player unhappy and you've got a salary. Right. It's something that Arsenal have done mm. uh, quite a few times, and, and they've been left holding the baby, uh, so to speak. So I, I don't know who that is. I know uh, Matias Cunha at Real, uh, Atletico Madrid can play anywhere across the front, the front three positions. He is effectively... A guy who just grafts and works will get you the odd goal. He's not. He's not Jesus. Yeah. Uh, quality. Uh, I'm just wondering, even if they go for try and pinch a loan signing somewhere that's only going to come in for six months. Uh, it's going to cost them a fee, but there's no long-term uh, liability there. What do you think, Stevie? Well, having listened to Craig and Jules. I can't disagree with one single word they've said. However, oh. that window. Well, is about that size. 
of all the things that, that, that would be ideal. You know, a guy who is not going to be upset when right. Jesus comes back, yeah. but a guy who's good enough. I mean, yeah. all, can you get him on loan? I mean, all of those things are ideal scenarios. Unfortunately, the chances are minimal. Right, so don't do anything. Unless the, this unicorn turns Again, up. Again, unless this, unless this thing hits you right between the eyes, then you have to figure it out with what you've got. Let's talk about the team seeing eighth uh, going into the return of action. Chelsea, of course, spent a bucket load of money, Jules, in the summer. You wouldn't be surprised if they did more in January, though, would you? I think they have to, Dan. It's as simple as that. I mean, we said at the time what... What, some of the, what, the players that they signed, let's be honest here, were, were really good players. The problem is that they never got to really gel with each other, to work, the change of manager, etc. And, and we saw Graham Potter, after a decent start, really struggling in the, in, the, in the weeks leading into the World Cup and the World Cup break. So now let's see how they restart again on Boxing Day. Let's see who they go for in, in January. The, the noise that we're hearing is that they want to go for youth again. But you know, and go and go that kind of that way, which I'm not sure how, how much that will help them, like straight straight away for the second half of the season, for example. So it'd be very interesting to see they lost Broja to a long injury, so you think that they need at least another striker, that's for sure. But who can you sign in January if you're Chelsea right now? You're not in the same position as an Arsenal because Broja is not coming back. You've got Bameyang, it's not working. You've got Kai Havertz, it's not really working and it's not a proper center forward. So, you know, where do you go? Do you go and spend big? Like, who do you go for, really, that would be on the market or could be on the market? It's going to be very difficult for them in January. At least Rich James and Chilwell are on their way back. Rich James a bit before Chilwell, so that's really good. Conte is on his way back as well. That's great. But for me, the big question mark is over that centre-forward at number nine and who they're going to sign. And if they don't sign, how far, how, how much better and higher up in the table can they go with just Obama Young and Kai Havertz? And also you're bringing in a forward, say you bring someone in in January, that knows that Nkunku is coming later on at the end of the season, Jules, as well. Yeah, I mean, let's see what happens with Lukaku after that loan against, uh, you know, Inter. Let's see oh, yeah. what Potter wants to do. I'm not convinced that Lukaku is really in the long-term plans at Chelsea with the new ownership. He might be, and Potter might like him. He doesn't strike me as a as Potter player. And Kunku, on the other hand, far more better. I think far more of a of a Potter player, really. And I think, but and Kunku. Can play as a lone lone striker, there's no problem, he can play anywhere really. I still think that he's better with another forward and he's got that freedom to play around him and alongside him. That would work better for him, for Chris, than than I think just him playing as a lone striker. So I still think that you need someone else to play up front with him anyway. I think him and Osman from would scare the living daylights out of people. Oh, yeah, right? definitely. Can you yeah. imagine? Yeah. But you're, you're, I mean, I don't know if he's got. He would leave Napoli, but you're not getting him to the summer at the earliest. No way. Because no, they're no way, they're no. flying in the Champions League. They're flying in Serie A. They're playing some of the best football uh, they've played for years. They're, they're the favourites to, to go on and win the Scudetto. Uh, so what does Graham Potter do in the meantime? We've got all these new, we'll call them recruitment people coming in, sporting directly, all these yeah. scouts, basically. <laughs> scouts, right, with a fancy name. They've brought people in from Monaco, they've brought a couple of other people in in different departments. But the bottom line is, is what the hell and where is Graham Potter's words falling? Because ultimately it's his neck in the chopping block. 
right? Yeah. And he's already, as you mentioned, under pressure. Yeah. He went into it's the, the World Cup. It's a big story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're eighth, but they are a big story because they went into this World Cup and poor form under pressure. They've got injuries. They've got more injuries, as Jules mentioned, particularly in the front line. You've got Koulibaly, who played quite a bit at the World Cup as well, uh, who's a big part for them at the back. <sighs> With Todd Bowley and... Ch- you get, and, and you get the feeling... We don't know what three or four defeats look like. You get, the, the, you get the feeling that Bowley still wants people to know his name. Right. Still get, I get the feeling he'll turn around and sign a big name. Okay. Maybe so, Jal so, so, Felix. Well, well do, we, do we put the big name in as Cristiano Ronaldo? No. Six months? No, I'm, I'm thinking Ajal Felix, something like that. Right. Which, which actually would make some sense. But I just, I just get the feeling that he's, he still wants that spotlight by signing somebody for a lot of money. Right. I just get that feeling. We just don't know what this new consortium looks like yeah. and, and this front guy in terms of there's a few discerning voices from the from the uh, stands right from the uh, yeah. from the crowd already uh, and it's ju- purely because Potter's not a big name so you kind of get less time yes it's not necessarily and they like Tuchel and, and there was a bit of a Thomas Tuchel loving mm. even though results in the end were not great and they, as I keep repeating he finished a country mile of uh, the, the, the title last year uh, we don't know what another three or four defeats, if they come quickly, look like to this ownership. We, we knew what the previous one looked like. Gone. Here's your money, here's your cheque, here's your millions, I don't care, we move on. We have no idea whether yeah. it's, no, no, we trust in the process, or whether there's a panic sets in and they just can Graham Potter and his staff, which I think would be incredibly harsh, but you, we just don't know, and I think that, and Graham Potter doesn't know. No matter what Todd Bowley and his cronies say to him, so it is hugely important he manages to cobble together this squad and get some results fast. Let's just focus on a couple of other teams. Starting off with Liverpool, Jules. Can we expect much action from them in the transfer window? Well, I, I, I think the money, which was a problem, not a problem, but which was missing in a way in the summer after the Darwin Nunez deal. It's still, still the same issue, and let's not forget that they're getting ready for Jude Bellingham, for the, for the bidding war for Jude Bellingham in the summer. So, yeah, of course, I think they're still in the midfielder quite badly, even if Nabi Keita is back, Nachago Alcantara is there. So they will have numbers. I still don't think they've got enough quality in, in that part of the pitch. And they could do with, with signing someone. I just don't think that they've got the money available to sign someone who would make a difference. You know, I'm not saying just get a body in. Like we said, like, you know, Steve and I were, were laughing at the end of the, the summer transfer window for Arthur. Uh, I think they need someone serious now, like, n- no joke. But I don't think the money is available to go and spend 50, 60, maybe more on a, on a very, very good midfielder. Like an Enzo Fernandez who really closes 120 million, which is crazy. But someone like that, really. Um, so I, I, I cannot see them signing anyone in January. I think it's more for the summer. And then, and then try to do the best you can with the squad that you have, which is a very good squad. This is not the problem. But still, I think in midfield especially, could have done with, with someone, someone very good. Stevie is leaving, leaning forward, ladies and gentlemen. Here he goes. Well, uh, <clears throat> um, Jules, both Jules and Augie have said previously that at Manchester United... One of the reasons they don't think they'll spend any money is because they're looking to sell the club. 
Is that the same with Liverpool? I, I haven't heard anybody saying that Liverpool will not spend money because it looks like they're trying to sell the club. Is, is that the case? Or is it just a case of they don't have the money? I think it's more that they don't have the money. But again, I, I mean, you could see it of if you're, if you're FSG now, you're thinking like, okay, why would we just add some cash in this, in this club that we're looking to, to sell on very quickly and go and sign Enzo Fernandez for 120 million when we won't get any rewards for it. Let, let's, let's just don't do anything, sell the club, and then the next owner can do whatever he wants with that squad, can invest, can sell, can buy, can loan, anything. You could see that position. And usually, by the way, when, when you're selling your club, you don't make heavy investment. You stop, you stop the investment that you, that you maybe thought about doing. So I guess it would make sense, Stevie. I, I, I just think that for the money they had available last summer and into this season, they're just not the amount to sign a like super strong midfielder. Uh, finally, Jules United. Stevie mentioned it. Oggy mentioned it as well, of course. They're maybe not looking to spend too much money in the January transfer window. Yeah, I think that's right. That's certainly the noise that we get, the, the information that we get. But on the other hand, they've just lost Cristiano Ronaldo, so they've lost a, a forwards. So you go into the second half of the season with Anthony Martial, who, who so far spent more time injured than not. And I guess Marcus Rashford, who you can play as a centre-forward, but you know it's not his best position either. Or certainly, so far, he's been really effective not in that position. So I think it would make sense for United to sign a striker, but they don't seem like it's going that way. It seems like they're going to you know, stay like this. Ten Hag, even himself, um, I think said that they were more looking at the summer than in January. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. And again, let's remind everybody that January is, is usually quite a hard month to go yeah. and sign a player that can make a huge difference for your team. They, they're quite rare, those players. They've happened before, but they, they're more rare than in the summer. Uh, you mentioned Ronaldo. Let's take a look at how the bookies have it set with regards to his next club. He's a free agent at the moment. Any Saudi Arabian club is a favourite. Uh, Real Madrid, Chelsea, <laughs> NAMLS club, Sporting, <laughs> Newcastle. Not a good start, is it? <laughs> Any, anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. Uh, it's weird even we're having this conversation, Jules, isn't it? But where do you think? I just don't think, apart from, from um, Al Nasser, I don't think there's anybody there yet. And they might, they might be preparing for offers and they might be sending them to Uncle George very soon. But right now, I think Uncle George has been on the phone and just hasn't heard anything back, which should be roaring, could be roaring for Cristiano's near future there. Probably, yeah, I think so. I think he expected maybe to have, by now, already a few offers considering that he was available to sign. He doesn't have to wait for January the 1st to sign, you know, because he's a free agent. He would be registered on January the 1st, but he could sign any time since, since he was a free agent. And yet again, apart from Al Nasser, I believe there just hasn't been anything yet. He's training at Valdebebas with, you know, on the, on the Real Madrid training camp. But that doesn't mean that Real Madrid are ready to offer him a six-month loan. As much as Gab Marcotti, for example, was just dreaming of it, <laughs> thinks that it's a great idea. I'm not too convinced. So we'll have to see. But I, I really believe right now there's just nothing on the table apart from Al Nasser. I mean, if, that, if this realisation for him has not got off a cliff, isn't he? The yeah. drama, United, yeah. some of it, a lot of it his undoing. Uh, the fact that he was a squad player... At a side that, let's be honest, is not anywhere near ready for challenging for the top. It's challenging at best for the top four. He was at best a bench player there. 
he gets dropped by Portugal uh, during the World Cup and watches the, his colleague come in and his young colleague score a hat-trick. And he probably thought after his Piers Morgan interview that he knew that his time was up and they were going to go separate ways, that, that by Christmas time they would all be jumping after him. Yeah. But unfortunately when your career is on the wane and it comes to everybody and you're also potentially a problem and an expensive problem for all these managers, a headache... Is it a surprise? Sorry, right. I'm sure he's happy for Messi, at least. Uh, thank you very oh, much. Yeah, that way, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much, Jules. Uh, much appreciated. Of course, it'll be a busy uh, January transfer window. We'll keep you up to date with everything that is going on over on our Transfer Talk website, and of course, the Jab Gavin Jules podcast as well, which is available to listen to over on the website. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Uh, these were the scenes in Morocco as the team returned home after, of course, making it to the semi-finals. Brilliant, brilliant reception they received, as you would expect, after doing their country proud. It's a bit, it's a bit disappointing after Buenos Aires. It, it is a bit more <laughs> organised, you feel, as well. Uh, that is it, then. That brings us to the end of today's show. Stay tuned, though. You two doing extra time today. Well, who else is going to do it? Well, Jules yeah. might come back. We'll go and get him. No, he's not. No, we let him go. That's all right. That's okay. Extra time's next. Be lost. Welcome in then to the latest edition of Extra Time. Craig and Stevie with us here in the studio. Let's get straight to it. Will Craig have Ronaldo at Chelsea? No. Why not? Well, do I have to repeat the last month? <laughs> One, I don't think Potter wants him. Right. Two, if he turns up, you have to play him, because once you leave him out, then that's the problem. Then you've got your ownership to worry about, who are probably the ones that signed him. No. No. Stevie? No. 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 I, I, I had a little inkling when he was still at United and he was on the bench that maybe he could do a job. Right. But no. No. No, that's to be the best couple of months, is it, for him? Uh, given Arsenal's attacking style and all the movement from the players up front, it seems like a dream scenario for Jao Felix and his vision for him to play behind Gabriel Jesus. Could he not provide more than Odegaard and Smith-Rowe? 
Smith Rowe's injured, but yeah, potentially. But then he's had this potential for yeah. two or three years. And all right, we can blame Simeone and maybe that is the case and maybe maybe it's a bit of both, a bit of the player and a bit of the manager. So I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, yeah, on the face of it, it seems like a good fit, particularly the way he played at the World Cup. But he has to replicate that and he hasn't done it consistently. I don't think Odegaard would be too happy, would he? He's Probably captain, of course not. <laughs> if he appeared. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... It doesn't... It, does, it doesn't seem the right fit. Right. I, I, I... No. No, I like what they've got going now. It's unfortunate. Jesus is injured. But the whole thing they've got going now seems right. I think... Jal Felix coming in could blow that up a little bit. Stevie, if Liverpool could pull off, pull off, sorry, pull off signings of Jude Bellingham and Enzo Fernandez, could it have as big as impact as Allison and Van Dijk? No, no, <laughs> no. Could a could as a could as a a good get out? Well, it could. Yes. But you you kind of knew exactly what you were getting with both of them, right? Whereas you really. You really don't. I mean, Bellingham obviously it was incredible, and you wonder does the way he, does he the way he plays the game does that suit Liverpool at the best? What does it? Who? Well, Liverpool at the best under Klopp have had three guys in the middle of the park. I've said this a lot. Have had three guys in the middle of the park who just walk and walk. And albeit they are talented players, but their job is to get the ball to the front three. That's that's not Bellingham's game. Right. Would would that take away from Liverpool? It wasn't really Wijnaldum's game though, was it, in a sense? Yeah, but he didn't but Wijnaldum. Go and mention the other name. The one that you've not been able to do a show recently without mentioning. Which one's that? Amrabat. Well, he's, he's falling in love well, with Amrabat. He does love Amrabat. Well, because, because you look at Liverpool, what they have available in the middle of the park, and and he's kind of shoulders, head and shoulders above what they've got. Nice. I mean, we're looking at Naby Keita. Yep. He's never going to do a Liverpool now. I mean, what else have we got? We've got the Ox. Mm, yeah. Yeah? yeah. James Milner. Yeah. I mean, come on. Let's, well, you're off now, aren't you? You're, you're on vacation. Let's be honest. You're, you're on holiday you're, now. You could go over to Casablanca and... I'm never on. off. <laughs> I'm never off. When are you call. driving down to Pennsylvania? Is that tomorrow? Tomorrow. you got the uh, right. map? you got the, still got the, got paper, the map. paper map. Do you still print off the paper map? This <laughs> is stupid. What do you mean? Last year you had the paper map. <laughs> I thought you did have the paper map. No, just in well, case. Eleanor used to do that. Just in case Eleanor had it printed out, didn't she? Yeah, she's she's over that. Oh, okay. She's over that. Right. Yeah. But this was quite, this was like one or two years yeah, it ago. Wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it wasn't like, that long ago. Still do it. <laughs> well, just in case. Modernised. You won't be seeing that if something happens to the. Uh... <laughs> and you drive all the way. Aye. And is Eleanor impressed with your driving? Of course she's not. When have you ever sat and driven a car with your good lady beside you? <laughs> she's sitting like that. I don't think so. What's what's what, what you guarantee? What could we play bingo with about what she's going to say? Uh, oh, the first one will be speeding. Right. Well, the next one will be you're a little bit far over to one side. Right. With the second one. Yes. Um, what will the third one be? <laughs> when you don't talk to her, is not it? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you're very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> 
concentrating. I'm concentrating. I'm driving a car. To be fair, though, you are behind the wheel always in a bit of a rush. You are quite an aggressive driver. I used to be. I've calmed down a lot, you know. Oh, have you? I actually have, yeah. Oh, right, no. <laughs> Thurley's been winning with you more than I have. So, seen it, right, it was about two years ago now. You know, it was probably just before the pandemic. We came back from Massachusetts in my son's truck. Right. And <laughs> I was driving. I said, I'll drive up. We're playing a couple of mates of us. Yes. I said, I'll drive up. You can have a beer. Mistake. Don't <laughs> <laughs> tell how many times we had to stop. Right, that is a schoolboy error right, on your but part. Anyway, <laughs> we're coming back. We had to stop a few times for... Uh, yes, for the obvious. Nature call. Yes. Like... <laughs> Christ, anyway, we're on the 84 and he's going, inside, inside, up there, go up there. And really? I'm like, he's Just as bad. He's impatient in the car. A little. And then we, we got stuck in a traffic jam and unfortunately, near, near the home and he had to go. Oh, Stevie. Well, there And we I was go. like that. This will be the last. <laughs> the last time you'll ever do this. Uh, will Arsenal and Manchester City benefit from the mid-season World Cup break? Neither had many players in the quarterfinals or beyond. Does one team come away with an advantage? Will the second half of the season be less predictable due to player fatigue? I think City out of everyone had more minutes. More players mm-hmm. um, played more minutes than any other side. I, I think you can pretty much say there's, surely there's no way Arsenal are not going to be affected by that. Well, the Jesus injury, yeah. The Jesus injury, plus the fact that they just could do nothing wrong before right. the break. Yeah. It's, it's Trust a real... you, the spinners is a negative for Arsenal. Well, the thing is, it is a negative for Arsenal. Yeah. But fortunately for Arsenal, and we've been talking about these teams in the show, look at, look at what we were talking about with Chelsea. I mean, it, it kind of almost seems as though they're in a bit of a mess. Yes. Yeah. You wonder... At Liverpool, are Liverpool going to get back to their best? Right. I've just been sitting here talking about the choices in the middle of the park are, are, are Keita and, and James Milner and, and the Hawks. So I'm not so sure about that. You look at to- what we're going to get for Tottenham. Yeah. So how have you managed to spin this from Arsenal all the way around to Liverpool? Well, because because he's he's talking about he's worried about his bet with Arsenal. But from my point of view, I'm trying to figure out who's possibly going to catch Arsenal out of all the teams that we expect. Well, they're finishing in the top four, so your bet's screwed. Yeah. Right. You know, I should be all right. Right now, I don't Does it help that some of their players did well in the World Cup to take that kind of momentum into the season? United. Yeah, who? What, Bruno did well? Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying well, yeah. so many games. I don't know. Maguire did well, obviously. He's going to have to yeah, come I mean, in with Alessandro Martinez. He's not going to play much. You, you take a look at that. Varane looked... Rashford looked good, obviously. Got some goals. Varane only the rest. Yeah, Varane looked absolutely gone, didn't he? But obviously... Dallow, yeah. Dallow did well. Yeah. But he'd been playing well anyway. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. I don't see it. I yeah, mean, no. apart from people like Varane... No, no, Arsenal's, Arsenal's finished the top. No. I'm not talking about Arsenal, we're talking about Manchester United now. No, no, but... But would you be positive? Manchester United are, are, are kind of going to be the same. In my opinion, for me, every time United step on the field, as much as they've, they've had some results, I'm, I, I, I'm never sure of them. Right. I'm just never sure of them. But you could say that about pretty much everyone, well, can you? That's the problem, and that's where the Arsenal comes in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to win my bet. So, in my brain, I'm thinking, right, who's, who's going to do them? So, Arsenal have you, Are Newcastle going to stay where they are? Hold on. Uh, Arsenal are not going to drop out the top four. Right? 
Right, agreed. Right. So, you're right. so no one trying to figure out. About no one trying to figure out. Give them the 50 if, if it's possible for them to drop it, who, right. who's going to knock them out? I see. All right, that's okay. Right. Uh, Stevie, you've seen a variety of coaches during your career. How good a manager would Craig make? Could he be the one well, to bring? We've had this discussion before. <laughs> Could he bring <laughs> and the same reaction before? Could he be the one to bring glory to the Scottish national team? <laughs> Capitulation, maybe. Hey. Wow. Glory? There's not a man. There's, there's, <laughs> hey, there's not a manager alive could bl- bring glory to that. Uh. See, he. Th- I told him. I said, look, I would. I wouldn't go into the dress. I wouldn't go into the dressing room with the crash helmet on. Just out and everybody. Right. Because <laughs> I've been in. Oh, look, we've both been in. Yes. Dressing rooms for twenty years. We know how it works. Now. But you know, you, you couldn't hide it though. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's not. It's not wrong, Gray. You what? couldn't hide it. You couldn't hide it. You'd have to learn how. <laughs> <laughs> that mask you feel yeah. would slip pretty quick. What, what sort of time frame are we talking here? I'm, I'm to learn. <laughs> I actually watched a video the day. Remember that video with Leighton Orient? It popped oh, up in my yes. timeline. Yeah. John Sitton. Yeah. Absolutely carving the wow. wow. Yeah. Then he sacked someone at half time. Yeah. He, he offered about three people out for right. a fight. He yes. told them to bring all the friends. Yes. And he said, You come and, and see me in the morning. And the you, dinner. He said, Bring your friends. Get, bring your mate. Yeah. Bring your friends and bring your dinner because when I'm finished with you, you'll need your dinner. You, <laughs> come and see me in the morning. You're in two weeks' notice. Wow. You, you're yeah. not getting a new con. Oh, yeah. Remind people what his name What was his name? John Sitton. John Sitton. John Sitton. It was Leighton Orient. Yeah. If you get a chance, go and check it out. It was like old school. That used to go on a lot. Right. However, however, it didn't work out well for him. I've seen both sides. You know, I've seen managers that scream and ball and shout and yeah. want to fight you. Yeah. And, and I've seen the other right. side, like with Janssen and others, who, you know, Vim Janssen, just quietest man on the planet. But Was that, it ever, ever on your radar to go into coaching? No. It was always going to be punditry ahead. No, no, well, no I never, no. I did my B licence at, at, with the uh, Scottish FA because uh, anybody with over 25 caps at the time got fast-tracked. Okay. I couldn't be bothered doing it otherwise. Right. But I've never really been interested. So what does uh, what does that involve getting your being the largs and uh, um, get the badge? Did you, have, did you have to sit and listen to PowerPoint presentations and things like that? Yeah, yeah. I just I can't imagine you doing that. For I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Those courses are a nightmare, aren't they? Nightmare. Not for me. No. <sighs> Giving some back to the game. Ah. Right. You must miss the. Camaraderie of it all, Stevie. Yeah. No, you do. But everything else, blood pressure, pills, the oh, whole lot, you yeah. don't miss. The other stuff, no, no. How long is it? No, it's, it's, I mean, I'd imagine it's, it never stops, does it? Even when you go on holiday, the phone's ringing. No, oh, it must be ridiculous. 24 hours a day. Yeah. Unless you're sleeping. Right. You're, you're either thinking about something. Yeah. Or you're waiting on something to happen. Or right. You're waiting on something to get fit. Or you're just. It's just constant. And the worst people to deal with are the agents. I mean, some of the... Uh, I was going to use a word there, but maybe... No, yeah. I will, I will. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 don't, no, don't do it. No, You're thinking about it. Yeah, yes, you, you, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what happened. There was a young kid who we had drafted, right? And what happens is you get a certain period of time... And then you have to decide whether you're going to keep these kids or, or okay. who you're keeping, yep. because you ultimately keep some and get rid of others. And there was this kid who I was on. I was I was on the 
on yeah. the cusp. I didn't know where to keep him or let him go. And so I said to him, I said, look, can you stay for another week? Yeah. Because I'm basically either going to keep you or there's somebody else that I'm going to keep. Right. I said, and I can't make my mind up. So if you'll stay for another, so he stayed for another week. And by the end of the week, I decided to go with the other guy. Right. So I brought him into my, into my room. We were in pre-season. And normally, I had it down to a fine art. Because you can't, what you can't do is start getting in a conversation with players when you're letting them go. Right. You, you just hit it straight on the head, get them in, get them out. Right. Right? This kid, when I told him that I was letting them go, started howling. Oh, no. It was awful. There That'd was be myself, me. The, the rev, the goalie coach, and Paul yeah. in the room. And what happened was my mate John Kerr, who's, who's the head coach of Duke, had come to see me. And with a partition in my room, and he was sitting on the other side, and I'd said to him, don't worry, this will be over in five minutes, and then we'll get back through. And he was sitting on the other side listening to all this. And this kid's howling. It took, oh. us, it took us 15 minutes to calm him down. I mean, when I say howling, you know when your kids are like, <laughs> they're what doing that? Yeah. He's in 22. And I said to him, look, I said, I know everybody in the USL. I said, I'll, I'll call all the guys I know and get you at least a trial. I said, I'll call your agent. As soon as you leave, I said, I'll call your agent and I'll figure something out and we'll get you somewhere. Okay. And I'm just, I, I, anyway, took about 30 minutes and the kid left and he was still yeah. like that. I called his agent. Horrible man. I called his agent and I said, I've just let so-and-so go. I said, I said, he'll probably call you, but I'm telling you, I said, I've never had a player so upset. I said, the kid's in absolute tears. Because the kid was telling us that, you know, if he got this contract, it was going to, it was going to help with his family at home and, and all. I mean, just it was just awful. So I said this to the agent, and the agent said, don't worry about him, I've got this other guy for you. Oh, my God. I, 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 and if I, if I could have grabbed the guy through the phone. Yeah. That's what some right. some guys are like. It was awful. Yeah, because he's not. He's, you're not signing him, so he's not getting a cut. Yeah. Oh, so he's got another guy awful. who may get a cut of money. I mean, they oh, don't. Oh, they were just. You've ruined that young breaking man. dreams. <laughs> Honestly, it was awful. Oh, this is horrible. See, that's why I. It's see, not fun. See, hey, that's when I had to come into it and I went right down. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind all that greeting luck. Yeah. You know. <laughs> oh, behave yourself. Yo, oh, what's wrong with you? With 22 year old man. Yeah. Oh, that is it. 22 year old, great. Get out the office. <laughs> that's, that's, no! That's it, we are done. Uh, ESPN FC uh, will be back tomorrow. Uh, Manchester United, of course, playing in the Carabao Cup. We're reflecting on that. Plus, I'm sure, more scenes from Argentina. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search match with indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed 
the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 